Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard? Hope you're doing well. Uh, this is a podcast for anybody that has an interest in workplace safety and health. Uh, we used to say safety professionals only, but I think it's uh, everybody. So uh, if you are employed and you're in a workplace somewhere, you probably should have an interest in your own safety. And uh, that leads me into a segue. That is my segue into this topic today. I've got Aaron Cerrone with me again. Aaron is kind of the de facto um, leadership expert in the safety community around here. We've anointed him that at least. So uh, thanks for coming back, man. Yeah, not self-anointed. Right? <laughs> not self-anointed, <laughs> right? Um, but no, I actually, you were the person that the, certainly I've been referring to um, as far as leadership information, process improvement information, lean. I don't even know what lean means. And so at some point, we're going to have to address those kind of things. No problem. We can do that. And, and the issue is, I think there are a lot of us in the safety community that don't know what that stuff truly is and need to. So uh, we had a conversation about a month ago that I, I thought went extremely well, a lot of good information. So I was hoping that we could just meet periodically and revisit some of these things. The issue for me today is um, when we talk about employees having an interest in safety, you know, this is not, this, this information is not specifically for just safety professionals. For anybody that has an interest in workplace safety, you know, that kind of leads me to the idea or at least the mantra of safety first. We, you know, that is the probably the most popular, the most common mantra in the safety world. I don't know where yeah, else it's I mean, infiltrated. In, in the entire manufacturing world, all yeah. operations, military too. Is it, oh, that's first. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it reasonable? Is that a reasonable mantra or is it, I mean, in my opinion, it could actually be detrimental if an employee is under the impression or the illusion that it's the employer's responsibility to protect him. I, I think it's like anything else that, you know, safety first is becoming this mantra and it's almost cliche-ish at this point. And it loses its meaning. You know, what does that really mean, safety first? Mm -hmm. like, it, and is it reasonable? What is safety first? Oh, safety is our priority. Right. Is it? Well, it doesn't seem like it truly is right i mean if you're a widget manufacturer people, or, you know if safety you know and we'll get you know you had given me not to not to scoop you but no no yeah you know, a couple of days ago and you handed me uh, you know deming you know yeah. and being an operations guy right. know, Dem deming's considered a god of efficiency and, and operations and and um and doing things with a method to the madness just to be as productive and as efficient mm -hmm. as possible and, uh, you know, when you talk about the Deming wheel, the PDSA cycle and Demaic and things like that, uh, when you're talking lean and six sigma specifically, and, um, you know, after a while, like you hear these mantras, you hear these mantras, you hear it over and over and over. And just like anything else, it loses meaning after a while. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't readdress, what do we really mean by safety first? Well, we're in business. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So what's our first priority in business? What's got to be stay open, make, make widgets, money. Like, make money, make money. You know, keep the doors open. It's uh, you know, when I teach at UNO, uh, there's always you know, every now and again I have a student. You know, when you're talking management, you're talking operations, and you know, it's like you you get someone that goes, you know, why does it have to be all about money? Well, without the money, there's right. no business. Right. And we don't right. exist. Got to keep the doors open. Right, and and you don't have a job. I don't have mm -hmm. a job. So you you every decision has to be made if you're being a responsible business owner a responsible manager all the decisions like, like i like to say in my classes you have to understand how everything affects the bottom line right right because everything right. does at some point everything right. eventually touches the customer and affects the bottom line positive or negatively and what i mean by bottom line not just revenue we're talking margins we're talking profits talking costs mm -hmm. everything and so you can argue that safety first if safety is our priority well then i'll ask you What's your safety budget? Mm -hmm. Why isn't it double that? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, how do you can even how can you put a limit on it? Right. Because if, if it's your priority, that should be your biggest expense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it generally isn't. That's that's exactly right. It's interesting that you say that because the guy that I used to work with back at OSHA, who had done TQM stuff. I mean, that's kind of the old adage. So that's a TQM product. back in the Air Force. Yeah. In fact, um, he talked a lot about that as well. You know, and I thought it was you know really interesting. Um, if you follow the money, you will know what the company's priorities are. And if you don't have a budget for safety or you don't even account for safety in the, in the line item somewhere, it's probably not really in a, a priority. But I just don't know that my, – my concern is that if we keep preaching safety first, safety first, I, I am worried about employees 
you know, becoming a little bit uh, immune to that and um, just assuming, again, that the employer's responsibility is to take care of them, right? Well, I, I mean, think when, when we say safety first, what we really mean is vigilance. Right. Yes, we should. Right. Not a poster on the wall. Not We don't do anything without considering safety before anything else. You know, if we're building a building, we still got to get that building built on time, mm-hmm. hopefully under budget, mm-hmm. you know, to the customer's specs. And if, if I'm the foreman and I go to the boss and say, hey, boss, it's going to take a month longer because we're being super safe, I don't think that's going to fly. Right. Because that conversation behind doors is going to be like, we get this thing done on time. Right. Mm-hmm. We're never going to do anything slower. We could do things a lot slower to be safer. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I don't think oh, anybody yeah. would argue with that. No doubt. And we could spend more money and be safer across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, just by interjecting humans into the equation, you're invoking risk. Absolutely. So if I really wanted to be safe, I would automate everything mm-hmm. and yeah, completely take the human true. out. Okay. So we make business decisions. Why? Because those other options are costly. Mm-hmm. And and we have to de- we have to just decide on an acceptable level of risk. Right. I mean, so, it's a cost benefit. So safety is a cost, right? Mm-hmm. We every company views it as a cost. Right. Well, if it was your priority, it wouldn't be a cost. Right. Right. Is that you know you know it it's just a different sense. way of looking at. It. So we have to understand that it's a cost. We could be safer, but it costs more. At some point, we make a business decision that okay, we can't spend any more in this area. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have an acceptable level of risk. Right. right. And that's right. going to be our sec- acceptable level well, of safety. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just like uh, the example that I used to give when I would talk to folks would be, um, you know, speed limits on the highway. I mean, there are a certain number of deaths. I mean, well, I don't know what last year's number of deaths on the highway were 40,000. But, you know, apparently we have as a country, we have decided that that is at least a tolerable number, if not an acceptable number. Otherwise, we would drop the speed limits. Well, you know, you, you, would, could you would go a step limit. further. You could, you know, reduce the speed limit to 10 miles an hour. Sure. And, and cut that number significantly, but commerce would grind to a halt. And well, and let's take it to an extreme and let's be quite honest. You could pass a federal law that says no car can be made that can physically go more than 40 miles an hour right. and put governors on all the cars. Right. And it'd be a lot safer. Those numbers would and drop. It'd be a lot safer and you'd cost billions of dollars yeah. in, in revenue and in yeah. other areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we say safety first and, it, and it's cliche because it's to a point. Right. Right. And, and I think that's fair, right? To, yeah, the, otherwise, you'll, fair. the business will stifle if everything went towards safety. Mm-hmm. You'd have to, you'd wrap everybody in bubble wrap. Right. And, you know, and nothing would get done. Yeah. So, you know, when we say safety first, it's always to a point. And, and the business, the survival of the business always has to take priority. Otherwise, you don't exist. I don't care how safe you are. Nobody has a job after right. a while. From a process standpoint, and again, these are, these are this is territory I don't really understand very well, but I notice that in a lot of companies, they separate production from quality, from safety. You know, the operations guy will teach you how to do your job, and then later you have a meeting with the safety guy who teaches you safety, and that just seems like, you know, to compartmentalize them like that seems like a terrible way to affect an efficient process. I understand why it's done because it's easier to control and to manage, but truth told, they're all completely intimately intertwined. Mm -hmm. You know, no process should be developed without the safety aspects in mind. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in our process class, I will teach, you start with a very specific and finite end goal, right? Because now that allows the process to be very acute and streamlined, Mm -hmm. And, it, and then you build it as very efficient as possible to get there, right? So there's no waste, right? No cost in terms of time, money, and energy happening. So knowing that end goal is critical to developing well, Yeah, because the more, the more vague the end goal is, um, the more vague and the more variation a process mm-hmm. will have. And when there's variation, we know there's opportunity for error. And when there's opportunity for error, now we start inducing cost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do an example with my operations class where I, I have everybody write down. I say, give me your process of taking a shower. Mm-hmm. And then let's total up how much time that takes. We have anywhere from five minutes to 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And the question to the class then is, well, how does that happen? Everybody knows what taking a shower is. What the end goal But is. how do we have such a divergence of process, five minutes to 50 minutes? And it's because the idea of taking a shower is very broad. Right. So if we get to a very acute definition, okay, we have to be bacteria free, 
dirt free and odor free. Mm-hmm. Those specific things. Now, what does this process look like? And suddenly that process streamlines and mm-hmm. gets very acute with very specific steps. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now that has to be done in lockstep with safety features, right? Because I can create a process that will get the job done as efficiently and as effectively as possible, but it might be dangerous as hell. Right. Right. Well, if you're showing right? with you're like your mouth sure. open and your head up. Drowning right? or so, something. So now that process has to take on a different look and inherently gets inefficient because now we have to incorporate safety features. And, and that's fine. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, and this is where the business rub comes in, now we're inefficient. We're incurring costs and inefficiencies, and that process isn't as effective or productive as it could be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at what point do you incur more risk, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that process, we build it with all the safety features. Now it simply can't produce what it needs to produce for us to make the money we need to revenue to keep the business alive. Mm-hmm. So where do we start cutting costs? Where do we cut back on safety mm-hmm. yeah. measures, yeah. right? To now make this thing be able to produce like it needs to produce, right? Right. So, you know, when, when Deming talks about safety isn't your number one feature, what he, what he's getting to is, Right, you still have to consider the survival of the business right. at some point, and, it, and if these safety measures are getting in the way of the efficiency of this process to be able to produce what it needs to produce and as effectively as it needs to be, mm-hmm. now we have to, we got some hard decisions to make. Right. Well, I know you know OSHA has established basically what the minimum level of safety must be. The regulations are considered the minimum; um, those must be considered and implemented now. As a company, you might have to, you know, you might decide that we need to go above and beyond those in order to affect enough safety that, you know, so that we're comfortable with the risk levels or whatever. And that's going to vary based on that procedure or that activity. But, there, you know, there is no going below the minimum requirements. I mean, we have to meet that. Not everybody does that, but, you know, that's ultimately part of the consideration. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean everything is... So I think that's where, where the culture of the company comes in. And that, I'll get back to the vigilance idea mm-hmm. where employees are looking out for each other. You know, they're not letting anybody do anything, mm-hmm. quote unquote, stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they've all been there. They've got to get two hours worth of work done in the last hour. So right. they're going to cut some corners on those safety right. measures, right? Because right. I got to get it done and get out of here. I won't tether off because I can do it faster mm-hmm. or I won't, you know, double bag it. You know, whatever it happens to be, right? That, I, that happens all over the place. And, but that's in the spirit of getting the work done and mm-hmm. hours on the clock and everything. So, you know, but, you know, if you got a, you got a culture of, of vigilance and, and this, we can talk about accountability and everything as well, where everybody's looking out for each other and then, hey, man, don't forget to tether off. Here, I'll help mm-hmm. you. I know, you know, and then we can get it done faster. Uh, that's where I think the safety first concept gets lost sometimes. And it's it's not, you know, we preach it, but then it's not really a vigilant culture. Mm-hmm where it's not just people doing the things they're supposed to do, but it's looking out for each other and, you know, and managers looking out for employees. And I'm not here to ding you because you didn't comply, right? I'm here to ding you because I don't want you to get hurt, right? Or anybody else Mm -hmm. to get hurt. The whole compliance thing, I think sometimes too is, it's just a company CYA, you know, covering their butt and they want to be able to say, well, we complied, so it's not our fault. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think we... It it is easy to focus on compliance rather than prevention, you know, kind of looking at those, you know, I mean, if we are compliant, then, then all is well. Um, and, well. And that's obviously. At least it's not our fault. Well, yeah, you can just right? deflect the guilt or the uh, responsibility maybe. Is, is it, that's just something I was thinking about the other day. Is it, in your opinion, is it, uh, you know, a lot of activities have checklists. You know, we will have multiple steps. We'll put a checklist together. Um, I've seen a lot of companies that have exceptional safety programs and and volumes of safety procedures, checklists, permits, and stuff. Is there a danger of employees losing the ability or losing this situational awareness of what's going on around them if they are just following checklists? Well, is that even a reasonable question? I mean, yeah, because you get you get, you get lulled right into. Comfort breeds complacency. Yes, yeah. So if you're banging out these checklists over and over and over, just mindlessly 
and not really thinking about what you're doing. I just got to get this knocked out so mm -hmm. we can get to work. Mm -hmm. Right? We got yeah. a lot of work to get done. Let's knock out those these freaking safety right. procedures so we comply and get them off our back and we can get to work. So you mindlessly go through it, and that's when mistakes start to happen. Yeah, that, that worries me. You know, I check these five blocks, so everything's copacetic. I go ahead and do my thing. Uh, without even considering other variables that might be introduced or, you know, case or, by case. How yeah. things or the compliance piece that I'm going to have to do is going to take so long. I'm just going to, you know, the example you gave the other day when we were talking of uh, the employee that reached underneath the machine to pick something up mm -hmm. and the person's hair got caught oh, yeah. in the machine and, you know, we, we have a, a serious and mm -hmm. catastrophic injury, right. right? Now, if that person probably followed safety procedures and compliance, they would have probably had to shut the whole thing down. Mm -hmm. Production would have come to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. They would have to get permissions going under there. Safety yeah. barriers would have to come up. And a half hour later, just to pick up that piece of trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean, it, it, it seems apparent why employees don't do that right. at times. Or maybe there's no checklist for it. And so I have no idea how to do it. You know, it didn't hit my checklist. I mean, because it's kind of one of those outliers or variables, whatever, that, you know, I just, I just, worry sometimes that we become so dependent on the checklist that we lose our ability to you know just be aware of what's going on around us well you know the check the check from a management perspective the checklist it's easy for me to give you a checklist and say follow this it is yeah and then if you don't follow it it's your fault right well yeah that is true man right, right? so so it's not on me anymore right. it's on you yeah. follow this okay someone got yeah. hurt on the job list did you follow the checklist no well it's your fault Right. It's not on me. Yeah. I gave you the checklist. At the same time, we're, we're, we're starting to see in, in, our, in, in our work environments with the new generations coming in is by no means a dig on them, but the idea of management is starting to change a lot. And there's, a, there's a unique dynamic in which uh, employees want to be very independent. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to, hey, come in when, whenever they want, leave whenever they want. As long as the work's getting done, just let me do my work. Mm -hmm. But... Now, on my side, I go, well, okay, well, there's some risk that you could get hurt, so I have to make sure you're not getting hurt. But I'm also dealing with somebody who just wants to be independent. So I, you have to be careful because there are opportunities where if you're working for me and you get hurt, it's easy for you to say, well, you never warned me of it or mm -hmm. you never told me oh, what yeah. to do so I don't get hurt. Now it's back on me again. Right. Right. So so there's that there's that dynamic there yeah, no doubt. where I get it. You know, you want to make sure that you're not liable, but you want to give the employee enough freedom to move around, but you don't want it to come back on you at the same time. Yeah. That, yeah, man, that, 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 that makes it's me tough. uncomfortable, but it's, it's true, tough. isn't it? Right. It, it is what it is. Like we all know any construction site, they could probably get that building up 20% faster if we just let them do whatever they wanted without mm -hmm. any of the safety yeah. protocols. Sure. Yeah. Well, they did. Right. You know, pre-1970, that's how every building went up, truthfully, you know. you know. I mean, and probably to this day, if you're out in western Nebraska where nobody's looking, you <laughs> know. Fair. I mean, I mean. But you uh, don't know it won't hurt you, right? You know, there's one OSHA office in Nebraska. It's in Omaha. And I used to, you know, I used to tell people, you know, out in Scott's Bluff, OSHA's just a rumor out there, man. So, you know, where there is a risk of being caught or observed or inspected, there's probably more attention given and. And where that is less likely, I think there is less focus on doing sure. those things. And I think safely. an important piece is is that when it's always, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, we, we tend to be reactive when it comes to people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. When we when we should be proactive. Absolutely. You know, in, in a process world, proactive is always cheaper than reactive. Absolutely. Right. It saves time, money, energy to be proactive rather than reactive. When right. you're reactive, it's always more costly because you're trying to fix stuff and you gotta try to find root cause. Mm -hmm. So, you know, earlier when I said this idea about vigilance, when an accident does happen, I think it's important for management to not just point out what went wrong and who screwed up. You need to have that conversation with your employees and be like, all right, guys, this is this is bad that this happened. Let's all acknowledge it. Well, let's all take a look at how we could have all helped prevent this. Because mm -hmm. right? we all potentially had a hand in this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you saw him not tether off. Mm -hmm. You could have said something. Right. I'm not saying this is your fault, but right. that could be you next time. Absolutely. And I think you would appreciate if your buddy said, hey, Doug, tether off right. before you fall off the freaking roof, and now kids don't have a dad or a mom or whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. You know, what else could we have done? Do we have somebody laying out the tethers? Do we have somebody, you know, we're 
everybody had a play in this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody's guilty, but none of us are completely innocent because we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's kind of where I see the safety first mantra as lost, right? Because it's, yeah, safety first, safety first. Oh, he fell off. His fault. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, right. that goes right outside the safety first mantra. It's kind of like, hey, guys, we could have all prevented this. Right. You know, we, we all had a play in this. We yeah, all had I, a hand in this. Yeah, I agree completely. That's uh, that's very astute. And I and I think when we consider a safety, what is a good safety program? That's really what you're dis- you're describing is where everybody's fulfilling their role. Everybody's kind of looking out for each other. I mean, if you can attain that level, you're in pretty good shape. You know, that's a pretty effective safety program where we're kind of watching out for each other. You know, and rather I, than I think employees naturally do that. Hey, the boss is coming. Shit. Start doing it the right way, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Oh, Start doing it the right yeah. way. The boss is yeah, coming. Yeah. Um, it's just an extension of that. And uh, but that—that's you know when, when you hear culture, to me that that's that's a culture thing, mm-hmm. not. And, and we can get we can talk about culture all day long. What I think it is and what it isn't, and you know, and that's even cliche-ish anymore. Oh, this culture sucks. And I'm like, well, no, I just held you accountable, right? <laughs> to show up right. at eight o'clock like I asked yeah. you to. All mm-hmm. right. There's a lot of places where if you're hard on safety and force everybody to follow checklist to the T and nothing budges until everything's in bubble wrap, I could see how that would be a crappy culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if the mm-hmm. mantra is, hey, guys, let's, let's look out for each other. You know, I acknowledge I was nowhere near the job site, but somebody got hurt, but it's still on me. Mm-hmm. And it's on you and it's on you. It's on all of us. Mm-hmm. So let's look out. For, let's make sure everybody gets home safe to their families. Right? right? To me, that's a cultural approach to safety. Absolutely. Well, that was kind of the Paul O'Neill deal, you know, the old, uh, the Alcoa CEO that uh, has been quoted oftentimes about his leadership and his role, his uh, uh, promotion of safety. You know, he, they did an analysis, he had a, there was a fatality in Alcoa while he was the CEO, this is many years ago, and he called all of the key vice presidents together and the underlings and the plant manager and everybody, and they they basically did an evaluation of the incident, and they were looking for systemic issues that may have contributed. And as the CEO of the company, he stood up and he said, look, I killed this guy because, and we all killed this guy because either we didn't convey the message or the information or the procedures accurately, wherever our place in that role, where our role in that is, we were all involved in it. And it is really unusual to hear a high-level executive like that you know, take some responsibility for an incident like that down at the plant level. I, I was really impressed by yeah. that. It's, uh, you know, the, the, it's, we say accountability a lot, but a lot of times we don't take accountability mm-hmm. uh, in, in some cases. And, you know, the list you gave, you know, the seventh one says the absence of injuries does not necessarily denote the presence of safety. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, scrib- <laughs> I scribbled down MOE and MOP. Two concepts we talk about: measures of effectiveness versus measure of performance. Mm-hmm. Right. And to his point, the Alcoa CEO is that, hey, you know what? We may have done everything that we were supposed to do, but someone still got killed. Mm-hmm. Right. So our safety procedures performed like they were supposed to perform. Everybody did the checklist like they were supposed to do. Everybody followed the steps like they were supposed to, and it performed properly. But it didn't have mm-hmm. the effect we wanted. Mm-hmm. An accident still happened. Right, so this idea of measure right. of effectiveness and measure of performance, yes, the checklist performs well, but was it effective at the end of the day? At the same time, you could have places that have had no accidents. I'm sure you've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies that never had any accidents have no procedures in place. Mm-hmm. Very effective. Right. So I bet they're no physical my notes performance here, procedures right. anywhere to be found. Right. Okay. They're they're undocumented. What what I used to call tribal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like people are doing things, they're doing it properly. They're just not written down. To make any form of process or standard operating procedure. How does that? How does that happen? Because that is exactly that is one of the. I made three notes of things I wanted to talk about today, and that is one of them. I don't know how you picked that one out of these fourteen or fifteen. It's like Jedi, the Jedi mind <laughs> Right, exactly. But yeah, that is very true, man. I have been in facilities that they were non-compliant. They didn't have any safety programs. They didn't have any procedures. The place was a shithole. Nothing compliant, and they didn't have injuries. And but they had a culture of safety, I bet. Well, exactly. Everybody looked and out for each other. Immediately, the response from most people would be, well, you've been lucky. I don't even know what that means in that context. What it, what it means to me is that this workforce has adapted to working in that environment safely. 
somehow, I mean, whether or not it's all documented or it's all checklisted or something, it's not necessarily what I what it would be referred to as luck that nobody's getting hurt. Maybe they're just aware of what's going on around them and they have developed procedures or work habits that sure. that protect them or something. And I, I don't want to automatically there. dismiss that as being luck. I, I would agree. And, and I'm, I'd be willing to bet if you sat there and observed and did a, a simple observation mm-hmm. study, what I always tell my class, when you walk on a new, if you get hired and walk into a new place, observe, listen, and learn. Mm-hmm. And I bet you if we sat there and observed and watched that environment, they are naturally doing things, looking out for each other, you know, hey, don't, you know, people just mm-hmm. naturally go, hey, don't forget to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and keeping each other safe, that they're doing it intuitively and things they've learned over time have become standard process. They just don't follow a mm-hmm. checklist right. per se. Mm-hmm. And, not, not a documented checklist necessarily, right. maybe something they develop But I mentally. bet you, you see a lot of repetitive things, repetitive mm-hmm. motions, repetitive actions, repetitive wor- even words are being used. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. even if it's just at their daily meeting in a Bosco, and let's be safe out there, mm-hmm. Hill Street Blues. You might right. remember that. Right, reference? I remember. I remember. <laughs> That's too young, um, but I remember. Um, yeah. Right? Exactly. So now, s- simple things like that are happening. Mm-hmm. They, they have to be. They happen every day. Like you can argue it's only a matter of time. You play the game long enough, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time. I just blew my knee out mm-hmm. two months ago, right? Right. 46 years old, lifelong martial artist, I finally had an injury. Right. right? You play the one, game yeah. long enough, it's a matter of time until something right. happens, right? And you could argue that in any environment, someone's going to get hurt eventually. Yes. Okay, yes, odds are, right? Odds are mm-hmm. get, you're going to get struck yeah. by lightning, right? Mm-hmm. There's an odd out there, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't mean you're not being safe or it doesn't mean you're right. lucky. Right. I agree. And I I don't want to encourage anybody to try that. I mean, just, I'm not suggesting just freewheel it. don't have safety programs. I mean, I think there is value in safety programs. My point is that I think we can become too dependent on the program, on the, on the checklist. I think one of the things that I see commonly is, you know, people have become complacent. They've become comfortable and they, and they forget to, you know, be aware of what's going on around them. I mean, there are people that get run over, crushed on job sites all the time. And I think it's oftentimes, you know, we kind of get focused in on what we're doing and we lose that situational awareness around us. And I'm just, I'm just concerned that that's not something that you can uh, address with a checklist sometimes, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, I mean, you can, uh, that's vigilance and awareness. And, you know, the danger, like you said, is, you know, the complacency, you just mindlessly do the safety procedures without really thinking about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And and that's always a drawback because now it just becomes something you have to get done rather than something you want to get done right. or right. you just naturally it are doing. It becomes tedious maybe even. Sure. And it's not, not beneficial. Or, or thought of as not beneficial. Right. Yeah, well, I guess that's a better at, at the description same of it. Right. right. So and I think that's any process and any procedure you try to implement you know, why do we have to do this? Okay, it's just something we got to get out of the way mm-hmm. and then get about our day, mm-hmm. right? And it's really not part of the fabric of the company or fabric of the workday. That's interesting, yeah. Let me give you an example. Um, OSHA requires that forklifts be inspected pre-use or pre-shift use, you know, by the operator or by someone, a maintenance person, whomever. They They have to go through a... Basically, a checklist to give you know do this inspection. You can, OSHA doesn't require that it be documented, but most people, just in order to account for it, have developed forms so sure. their guys can just go through it, check, 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 check. They do their they do their visual, they do their quick evaluation of the controls, and then off they go to work. And man, those things just get pencil whipped to death. You know, I mean, I look at them regularly during audits just to see if they're being, and they are just. I don't know that they even add any value at some, at some point they just pencil whip it to death. And it's, you know, I'm just fearful that particularly with equipment inspections and things that that's happening, you know, right. It's just become so, you know, you don't want to be big brother checking in on your employees, but you know, there there needs to be some level of auditing and evaluation once in a while, like spot checks, Mm -hmm. what we used to call spot checks or no notice evaluations in the military Mm -hmm. where, Mm -hmm. You know, we'd be flying a local trainer in a mission. Just, you know, we, we prepped it like we normally do. Mm-hmm. We're just showing up. We're, it's a training mission in the local area, and no threat. And then the evaluator just shows up. 
and you're going, oh shit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's designed to make sure that you are following, right? The checklist and the procedures, even when nobody's looking, right? Because you never know when somebody's looking. Yeah, that's a good point. Now you don't want to make it like this Nazi esque thing where you come right. in and time them and oh you did it this fast it should be this much every time right, right? but there there needs to be a little bit of a threat i think and i think that's healthy mm-hmm. of hey uh you can randomly get checked mm-hmm. right because and, and and i do that out of concern for you not for me to drop the hammer right. on you but because we really want everybody to be doing this all the time and doing and consciously thinking about it mm-hmm. right so i'm going to check you once in a while and and out of the blue and and it's not just my way of keeping mm-hmm. you under my thumb or be, being showing authority. Right. It's because we really want people to be safe, right? And that that really sp- speaks about the leadership or the culture, whatever, however you want to describe it, how that's being used. Because it's oftentimes is used as a hammer, and it's oftentimes gotcha. You know, I caught you not following something, up, and you're going to be reprimanded, reprimanded right? for it, and that's a horrible approach. You know, I I, I uh, had someone tell me just recently in their workplace there there's a lot of unhappy people because the safety program has been weaponized you know basically they are using it as a hammer to beat people up and to you know reprimand them and uh man that just yeah that's a, that's a, that's a balance right because you don't want it to be a paper tiger either like you don't want it to be it's like, true. oh, they bust you, but they, oh, they don't do anything. Don't, don't worry really about do it. Yeah, no, they never true. do anything, right? So you, you have to, you know, there's got to be some repercussions, it. right? Yeah. But you have to balance it, right? And, balance. and you have to couch it in a way that, look, understand why we're doing this, and here's why we're doing it, okay? And it could be something simple as a three strike policy, like, look, guys, hey, you forgot to do it. You know better. Have right. that. Have that honest conversation, like. You know why we have these here to be safe, and right. and if you don't understand, let's have a different conversation, mm-hmm. right? Now, hey, it's a slap on the wrist this time. You know, please do it. You but know, kind better. of a progressive you know, discipline but now, type. If somebody's a perpetual violator right. of safety problems, it's not just them doing it. It's who else are they putting in danger right. potentially? Oh yeah, no doubt. Now, and so you have to ask yourself: Can you afford? Again, drawing back to mm-hmm. it's still a business. Can you afford to have somebody like that on your job site? Like, oh, you know, he finally did it and he finally killed somebody. And then Mm -hmm. you look at the record and like, oh, well, you busted him 12 times. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you do anything? Man, that is really critical. You're right. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And and it's kind of like, well, I didn't want to be a hard ass. Well, now Mm -hmm. someone's dead. Mm -hmm. So I get it. So there's a fine line, right? And that's kind of a management, you know, and again, a management technique. It's you got to find what's tolerable. You know, like, how how do I, hey, I busted you, Doug, and you know you didn't do the checklist. I yeah. spot-checked you. Let's have a conversation about this. And that is one of the biggest challenges that I see. And the next time, I maybe I swing the hammer a little harder. Mm-hmm. Maybe the third time, it's like, look, three strikes. Right. You know. That is so that I is can't so wait for this to be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what we're waiting for yeah. here? Something catastrophic? And I'm not occur? saying, you know, to me, that's short of weaponizing. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want people to live in fear because now that right. stifles the environment. People are unproductive. They're walking on eggshells. You don't want that either. Mm-hmm. That is a real fine balance. And, and from an OSHA standpoint, you know, one of the defenses that an employer has from a citation is just that, you know, they have done everything that they've been asked to do. They develop the programs, you know, they communicate the programs, they surveil the workplace to make sure that the employees are following the programs, and then they implement some kind of a discipline program, maybe progressive discipline, just like you described, three strikes or something. And if they're doing those things, and OSHA would happen to, you know, someone would get hurt, or OSHA happens to see during an audit somebody doing something uh, inappropriate or that's violative, the the employer isn't supposed to be citable for that. They've done their due diligence and uh, basically, you know, I mean, at some point their due diligence ends and then the employee assumes some responsibility. Sure, which is fair. I mean, you, can't, you can't stop an idiot from being an idiot. Right, right, exactly. And, but I mean, but a lot of employers struggle with that discipline piece you know, particularly small employers, you know, everybody there's their friends or family or cousins, you know, whatever the case might be. And I can't discipline him or, or they don't discipline uniformly. You know, my buddy doesn't get disciplined, but that asshole gets disciplined or whatever. And the harsh reality of replacing that person, 
Yeah. Here's my best guy who I caught. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In a safety violation, but he's my best framer. Right. He's my best mechanic. Yeah. Or you know, she, you know, she's my my best marketing person. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, do I really want to go through the ass pain of replacing that person? Right. Because that costs money. It takes time. I'm losing productivity if I boot him off the job site. So wow. you know that, and that's that's where that business decision comes into right. play. Sometimes mm-hmm. is that okay? Yeah, they screwed up, and yeah, it was pretty egregious. And yeah, I would kick most people off the job site right. and fire probably the vast majority. But yeah, wow, it's my best person. I know, man. Now what do you do? I don't know. I you know I I, I know what I what I'm supposed to say. Right. You know, as a safety professional, I know what I'm supposed to say, but the reality is, and particularly right now in this economic climate, you know, this low unemployment, you can't replace them. Sure. You know, who are you going to get? The guy that wears his underwear on the outside of his pants is going to come in and take over your superintendent job or whatever. So I think that's where the safety first thing does have some meaning. Mm-hmm. And in which, you know, the manager or the, the owner, the, whoever the leader is at the time, you know, will say, look, it doesn't matter how good you are, mm-hmm. that if whatever you did wrong was egregious in terms of our safety mm-hmm. standards, you, nobody's job is safe right. in that respect. So right. I'm not saying, again, going back to using safety as a weapon, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that, hey, I don't care if you're my best salesperson. This was an egregious violation right. of our of our safety standards, uh, not just industry standards, but our personal standards, which we held hold higher than mm-hmm. everybody else because mm-hmm. we want to be the benchmark. Mm-hmm. And you're gone. Yeah. And to me, that's a safety first approach. Right. That hey, look, I'm not going to. I understand. I'm gonna. I'm getting rid of my best person, but I value the safety of everybody else mm-hmm. more. And there's there's a point the pro- beyond the which production, you can go right yeah. in their production. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal, man. And I think it. I mean, I think it sends a clear message to the employees. I mean, if you were doing something like that, you know, if you if you termed or if you uh, suspended, you know, the key player because they're violating the rules or the policies, you know, that sends a pretty clear message. Sure, and think about what your culture does too. When when new younger people come in. And they see the most veteran senior people following the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've been there. The young guys are all doing it one way. And, well, so-and-so doesn't do it. Right. So-and-so's been here for 30 years. Let them how, do it however he wants. Mm-hmm. But if you walk into an environment where everybody is lockstep in, in the idea of safety and looking out for each other, and everybody's mm-hmm. tethering off like clockwork, and everybody, mm-hmm. not just because they were told to, because that's the culture. Mm-hmm. And you, you look at the most senior people going, Wow. That's how they're doing it, and they're being safe. They're doing it to a T. That's how I'm supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Not ah, oh, they do it however they want. Right. But you're new here, so the you do guy. it by the book. Right. Instead. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that immediately drives a wedge between those sure. those groups. And it's a double company. standard from the leadership. Mm-hmm. You're willing That's... to tolerate, uh, you know, cutting the corners by the older people because they've been around for a while. They know how to they know how to be safe. I say in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Right. You're you're young and new. You got to follow up by the steps. Right. Yeah, that is so tough, though, man. I, I you know, I, I sympathize with employers. Uh, when I was with OSHA, I didn't sympathize really with anybody. You know, I mean, that, I wasn't allowed for the evil government. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to be <laughs> sympathetic. But as a consultant now, you know, I see these situations, and uh, they are so, you know, they are so gray. They're just not black and white. But ultimately, I mean, the only way to drive, you know, that that attitude. I mean, we're, you know, culture, but the attitude really is to make sure that those things are uniformly and consistently applied to everybody, right. and that is just such a difficult thing. Well, our, our common friend Tom Kumpfer, who owns mm-hmm. 316 mm-hmm. Uh, Construction and Roofing, you know, we're in all in there at the same time, and I always joke with him, anybody fall off the roof lately? Mm-hmm. And his response is, hell no. He goes, I'm, they all tether off. I don't tolerate that from anybody. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Right? Yeah. So, so his approach is, I don't yeah. care who you are, I don't care how long you've been here, Yeah. right? I'm not... Yeah. Just can you fall off the damn? So yeah. so his so everybody knows that if he rolls up on the job site, it doesn't matter who you are, you're right. going home that day and you're done. 
if you're yeah. doing something stupid right. and you're not following our safety well, rules or whatever whatever procedures we have in place. Right. And he's protecting himself as the, the owner of the company, but he's protecting the employees. He's setting the too, tone. Right? Right? He sets I mean, the tone. You, you gotta protect the employees in spite of themselves sometimes, or many times, frankly. You know, that that is tough though. There was there was a story about a company out of uh, Colorado, LMR <laughs> construction, they're steel erectors, and this is many, many years ago, and they um, they kind of they were in need of change. They had a kind of a bad safety culture, and 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 then thing you know they had a bad record, and so they they just and I don't know if they had a fatality that prompted this or some catastrophic incident, or they just decided to change. Maybe the insurance rates, even you know, but which is oftentimes a driver of some of these things. Pocketbook, yeah, the pocketbook. But they implemented a new safety program. They trained everyone. They held everybody accountable. And then the first guy to violate it was like their senior superintendent, and they fired him. I mean, this was the 30-year guy that basically ran that company in the field, and they canned him as the legend goes. And I think this is a true story. And that basically was all it took for everybody else to know, well, they're serious about this, you know. And that company is in the OSHA VPP, or it was at least, the Voluntary Protection Program, which is the OSHA recognition program for good safety programs, but man, you know, they had to let this dude go because he was the, he violated one of those unforgivable policies. You know, I, I always think of, you know, having an eight and an 11 year old, uh, my kids are real quick. If I don't treat them both the same, especially when it comes to punishment, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. real fast. Well, you let Dominic do that <laughs> right, right. and you're yelling at me for it. Right. And, and I always think too, wow, it's it's human nature, right? It's it human nature that we learn it early that they're not going to take you serious unless you're evenly handed with everybody, right? Well, that's very true, man. Well, our senior guy got away with it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess they're not. So I, I get it. And it was probably probably the best thing they did beyond yeah, it, implementing it, the program was enforcing it. Yeah, right out of the gate mm-hmm. with somebody. Didn't matter who you were, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I just know how difficult it is. You know, for so many companies, I, I think they short-sightedly don't realize how important it is to at least hold people accountable to those rules. You know, I have people tell me all the time, I can't get my guys to use the equipment or I can't get them to follow that rule or I can't, you know, something as simple as uh, I can't get them to honk their, the horn on the forklift when they're passing between you know, buildings or something. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? How, what do you mean you can't get them to do that? I mean, it's... At some point, you know, there has to be a ramification. Yeah. It, it's like when I'm teaching my college class, I can preach to a blue in the face. Guys, start studying now. The test is coming up. Start studying now. The test is right, coming up. Right. Please start studying now. Please don't wait till the end. Start studying now. And it isn't until that first test comes and they get their ass kicked by it mm-hmm. that they go... Oh, I need to start studying early, <laughs> right? Right, because otherwise, right. there's no there's no compelling reason, right? You can preach so you're blue in the face, and you can have honest conversations, but it's just like a kid. You can tell a kid a hundred times the stove is hot, don't touch it, but they don't truly believe you until they touch the stove, mm-hmm. yeah, and burn oh, yeah. their hand, right? And 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 that but, makes this so challenging sometimes. This safety human stuff nature, is really right? challenging because of that. It's human nature that you know unless. You you would hope that people hold themselves accountable, but part of management, part of leadership, okay, is looking out for your people. And, and I say that not just giving them the things they need to to succeed, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. that's a huge part of it, mm-hmm. but it's also policing them. It's also looking out for them when they're not looking out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a huge piece, right? A lot of people will consider that as being like a, a a stifling leader or a tyrannical leader. And to me, I don't view it like that. It's, you know what? I've been telling Doug to honk the damn horn before he rounds the corner every time, and he's not doing it. Okay, so I'm going to sit there and wait for him, and when he comes around the corner and doesn't honk, I'm going to stop him mm-hmm. and be like, look, right. you're taking the rest of the day without pay, and if you do this again, I'm serious. If you do this again, you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Now, I need you to understand why this is important. And it won't be until I send you home without pay or I threaten to fire you until you go, okay, they're serious about it. Right. And, and, and then you can have the conversation. Why don't you think this is important? Mm-hmm. 
Now, let me explain to you why I think it's important. Or why the rule doesn't apply to you. Right? Here's what you don't understand is three years ago before you started working here, somebody came around the corner of the forklift and ran someone over. Right. That's why this rule is here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now you could be that person walking around the corner next Mm -hmm. time. So can you please... Mm-hmm. Right now, it's go interesting home, you say that about right? a good leader is going to have to do that from time to time, right? I mean, well, when you raise kids, do you just let them do whatever they want? Like, how do you teach kids manners and rules? Mm. Well, absolutely. You 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 explain it, and then you hold them accountable for it, right? And holding them accountable is is punishing in some yeah, cases, in not some, always, not always, but sometimes some, it's a conversation, right? But when the conversation isn't working. You have to take it to another level, or you have to right. find a different way to get them to right. help to help them understand, yeah, right? No doubt. Hey, I'll give you an example of that. I've got two sons, right? One of them is twenty-one. One of them is twenty. I think it was a year ago. My younger son Nick, who, who you've met, the big the big one, um, we went out to dinner. My wife and I, and I think Nick. I don't think Kent was in town. We go out to dinner. Uh, we go into the restaurant. We're walking to the restaurant. Nick is ahead of us. Opens the door. Walks through the door into the restaurant with his mother trailing behind. Didn't hold the door. Did not hold the door for him. And so we got inside, and he's standing there waiting at the reception area, waiting for the, you know, and I said, no, 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 let's go back. So we went back outside and redid it with him holding the door for his mother. I'm thinking, a little public, embarrassment a little helps public there. humiliation, man. <laughs> no, I was like, what the hell are you doing? And I just stared at him, and he just kind of like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I was like, let's, let's go back outside and do this again. I mean, uh, my dad would have knocked me unconscious for yeah, doing something like, like that, you know. In so the back of the head, he never yeah, so saw a little it coming. Humiliation <laughs> was uh, much less painful, but I think you're right. I mean, well, my uh, my children, well, you know, it's funny. Their perspective is always skewed. They're like you always yell at us, and I'd be like, "Did I?" Mm-hmm. Now let's let's retrace really? what happened. Yeah, really. Because I asked you nicely in a normal tone of voice three times, and it was mm-hmm. only the fourth time that I raised my voice. Right. Now. Why couldn't you do it the first three times? Right. And employees are just and like And then they that. start to understand, yeah, you're right. I need to listen better. Right. Right. Now, you know, it's now you have to do this, too. You have to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt that, okay, I had the conversation with them three times. I didn't just come out of left field with a hammer and drill. Right. Much. I mean, that's an approach. Right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend right. it. Right. But, you know, at, at some point you have to increase the level of accountability and you have to hold them accountable. I think that's good management and good leadership is to hold people accountable mm-hmm. to, to until they get to the point where they're holding themselves accountable. Right. right. Uh, absolutely. I, and, and I think you know, there are, it's a perception issue oftentimes for the employees. If they're being held accountable, oftentimes they perceive that as you're putting the hammer down. And, and you know, I think, as you said, I mean, a little bit of explanation might help them better understand why these sure. things are important. There needs to be you some know, transparency. Rather just, yes, rather than just, you know, this is it, you know, this is what I said to do, shut up and do it. You know, that isn't always necessarily well right. received, but. At the same time, though, you have to be cognizant of what you're tolerating as a, as a manager and a leader. If I tell everybody, be here at 8 o'clock, and you roll in an 810, I don't say anything, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. Just open I, the door for everybody, yeah, man. I can, and I condoned it. I condoned it, and I basically, I basically told you it's okay right. to roll in at 810. Right. Which eventually becomes 815, which becomes 820, eventually becomes rolling whenever you want. Okay, but if I don't at least have the conversation, hey, Doug, you came in at 810 today. Yeah, yeah, I wanted you here at 8. Here's mm-hmm. why I need you here at 8. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then next time you come in, it's 810. Hey. We had this conversation. I thought we had an understanding. Right. Now, I could take the approach, why did we did we not have an understanding? I thought we had an agreement. Okay, mm-hmm. let's make an agreement right now. Let's shake on it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, you know, yeah. why are you disrespecting me? I wouldn't do that. You know, so, yeah. But eventually at some point you're going to go, hey, man, it's 10 times now. Right. I've asked you to come in at 8 o'clock, and now it's 8.15. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to get you here at 8 o'clock? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. And, right. Why don't you get here at seven? But we'll at, just... at some point, it's like, what? Where do I draw the line? Right. As a man, well, and you, in terms of safety, that line could be getting other people hurt. No doubt. And you you said something there that I want to just capture. I mean, our fifteen minute podcast, we're right at rolling up to about an hour, obviously. <laughs> but you know, the idea that silence gives consent. You know, Plato told me that a long time ago, back before you guys were born. Um, <laughs> 
But if you see those things, if you see those violations and do not The idea of you in a toga, them, by the way, is kind of frightening. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I've been in a toga, man. But, um, but you've given consent. If you don't uh, address it, you have given consent, even by omission. Absolutely. You know, and that is such a critical part of the safety stuff that you walk through the plant and people are doing things. You, you may not see it, and you can't account for that. But to see somebody doing something that is in direct violation of a policy or a, just even a safe work practice and not say anything is devastating. In my own businesses, in my own time in the military and corporate, every time I've gotten to the point where something was aggravating, to the point where I was about to lose my mind, mm-hmm. if I sat back and looked and thought about it, it was always because I didn't say something sooner. Interesting, yeah. I was quiet about it. Yeah, and hoped it would go away, or hoped it was an anomaly, mm-hmm. or hoped that they would just get it. And finally, when you do have the conversation, it's a hard conversation. It didn't need to be, right? Right. Oh, just well, something as simple as, "Hey, Doug, I noticed you didn't honk the horn when you rounded the corner. Can, I need you to start doing that and keep doing that." Interesting. Okay. Right, and right away, like the second you see yeah. it, yeah. you should say something. Because if you don't, it just snowballs. After yeah, I think a while. you're right. It just manifests. It you builds. Over the and dead all of a sudden, body, like we talked about problem. last time. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just ignore it and wait indefinitely for it to self-correct, which is not going to happen because you've consented to it, somebody's you know, falling in the combine. Yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> you got a problem, and then you re- right. and then now you really can't go back. That's interesting. You got any? I think. Well, I think that's just a basic leadership. You know, when it's when we talk about vigilance, like I said earlier, and you talk about accountability you know vigilance is adjusting it right away mm-hmm. right vigilance isn't waiting till we have the quarterly meeting and then having okay here comes doug and doug's gonna give us the safety pitch this month right and then right. you go through your yada yada mm-hmm. yada and okay break everybody be safe go vigilance is i see something i address it right away mm-hmm. for everybody right? for everybody that's just not it a leadership that's not is. a management function necessarily Correct. and 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 vigilance is Telling everybody else, hey, Doug, if you see Aaron do something stupid, don't make a big deal of it, but make sure you tell him, hey, dude, don't forget to tether right. off. Oh, yes, thanks, dude. Right, right. right? So we get busy. We forget. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. and we're rushing. We're trying to get stuff done. We're under a time crunch, whatever it happens to be, and we forget to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't prevent everything. But vigilance is you see it, you address it right away. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's as simple as a comment, hey, dude, don't forget to honk the horn before you turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you're doing the checklist, really look at it. Mm-hmm. really look at what you're doing. It takes right. an extra two seconds. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and and leadership can be anyone. I mean, leadership doesn't necessarily come with a title, I'm assuming, in a work environment or any environment for that matter. And that kind of distinguishes management from leadership mm-hmm. or because leadership is more of a characteristic perhaps or skill set, than, and management is more of a hierarchical yeah, you know, you know I always you always kind of explain like, you know, the the book definition and whatnot is, you know, management people are managers are getting people to do work, leaders get people to want to do work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? they want to mm-hmm. follow you, not mm-hmm. because they're told, because they want to. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that kind of goes back to that. If you're a good leader and safety, you know, is important to you and it's a part of your culture, people want to be safe, mm-hmm. not because they have to be safe. Right. Like, I don't put the hard hat on because you told me to. I put it because I want to. Right. That's a big Because it was explained to me why it's important. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, you know, think right. think about this. Seatbelts. When we were growing up, there was no seatbelt law. No Most seat people didn't law. wear it. No, no. Right? We, we and, laid in the back window. Oh, stupid stuff. And yeah. most people wouldn't wear them. And then when the law came out that you had to wear a seatbelt, most people outright refused to do it. Mm-hmm. I remember oh, that. I'm going to get, st- if I get in a car flip, I'll get stuck on one, but I'll get out, or I don't need no seatbelt, you mm-hmm. know. And then over time, what has happened? The seatbelt has become a part of our culture. Now, people want to put it on mm-hmm. to be safe because they've seen enough videos where somebody gets ejected through the window. Right. Right. How did we do that? Well, I mean, that look, was just, look, we were bombarded with that for years look how and long years, it took. obviously. Yeah. Look how long it took. Yeah. That's a good I mean, point. literally decades. Mm hmm. And compliance even now is right. I don't know the numbers exactly, and I shouldn't be quoting numbers, but I know it's in the 70% range, 70s somewhere, where mm-hmm. seatbelt compliance, um, which is huge, as you said, because right. in my lifetime, your lifetime, I, I remember those days where there were no seatbelts to right. lap belts and nobody would wear them. The, to the now, belt, yeah. we wouldn't, 
I wouldn't get in the car without putting on a seatbelt now, and neither would my boys, and, I don't and think. I, and going back to your point of using it as a weapon, I don't think it's really the law. I mean, the law, to some extent, has forced people to put them on. But I, I think it's past that at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a law that's not really compelling people. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that fear of getting a ticket. It's right. not the fear. It's, it's actually the understanding. Like, the message has been put out there enough, and the understanding is, wow, like, I want to put this on because I want to be safe because right. I understand the danger right. of not having it, right? Now yeah. it's a cultural understanding. You get in, you put your seatbelt on. It has right. nothing to do with you might get a ticket. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. Because people still speed. One. The ticket doesn't stop right. people from speeding. Right. right, The ticket isn't forcing people to put the belt on. It's just a cultural understanding that this makes sense. I want to live right. longer. I don't. That statistically, you have a much higher I'll probably likelihood get in a car of surviving. Wreck at some point, I'm going to put yes. it on. Right, we have this understanding now, mm -hmm. but it's taken a long time. It has. It's probably taken 50 years or so. Would you estimate somewhere in that range, 40, 50 years, I mean, something like I that? I mean, because I I, and the reason I say that is because OSHA was created in 1971. The, the act was promulgated in 1970. OSHA came into existence in 71, and so it's been about 50 years that they've been preaching that stuff. So uh, that stuff, you know, the, the safety regulations and rules and things. And so it does take a while sometimes for those things to take effect. But, you know, the whole seatbelt thing was. So 1968, I just Googled it, was the first seatbelt law. Oh, really? Think about that. It's 68. So I was probably what, in uh, graduate school or something? I don't know. Something like that. Oh, no, know. no, I lie. I lie. 68 was the law that required all vehicles have a seatbelt. Okay. And that's right. when the push began, right? Ultimately, I mean, and uh, yep. whatever but that is. To actually wear a seatbelt, I'm not sure when that law started. But that's but but 50 the, years the later, the majority of people yeah. wear seatbelts. And yeah. it, it has been a concerted effort. So, you know, the stuff doesn't change overnight. These safety policies Correct. and things don't change overnight. But they do require vigilance, as you've said, reinforcement. Um, oftentimes, they, they require explanation and a little transparency. You know, there, there's really no reason to be ashamed of the fact that we do this because we're trying to protect the company as well as the employees. I mean, they're both important. They're both important to protect. And I, and I think it's safe to admit that. It's good to admit that to your employees. Look, guys, here's the deal. This is a business. If we have major violations, we're going to be out of business. Right. And you don't have a job. Right. So let, let's get that out there right away. I, I agree. So before you accuse me of being money motivated, we're all money motivated. Yeah. Because we need this place to exist so we all have jobs. Yeah, you come in here every day for the same reasons we come in here right. every day so, to make money. You know, as an example, uh, I know somebody who works at CHI. I don't mm -hmm. know if they CHI on a bus. One of their buildings in Macaulay Center, they had a nice cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And they recently made the decision to pull it out for money reasons. Right? It just mm -hmm. was a loser. Right. And I get it. Right. It's nice to have a cafeteria for people. But if you're losing money, hand over fist. And, of course, there's some people pissing more about culture right away. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, dude, it's... It's basic number says, well, why don't they just come out and say it's a money issue? Okay, if that's what you need to <laughs> right, hear, right, right? right? I get it, but right. I mean, every but if decision, they were making money off the cafeteria, hey, it would still be there. Newsflash, every decision is money-driven. Right. It's yeah. a business. I it's, think, it's a nonprofit, but it's still, nonprofit doesn't mean lose money. Right. Right. They still make decisions to not lose money. Exactly. Every decision is money driven at the end of the day. And that, that was Deming's point here is that, Hey, get comfortable with that. Cause it mm -hmm. is what it is. If you have a problem with that, then go be a hermit somewhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ultimately everything's money driven. That's just, that's why it's called business. Right. It's interesting. We've kind of come full circle yeah. and it's been an hour. So man, thanks again. I mean, um, Every time we've done this, that just creates more questions for me. So we're going to have to do it again. I think I'd love to get into some more on leadership and skills that, you know, that these guys I'd out in the field. that's good. That's good for business, but we do this for free, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. We're actually, <laughs> we're actually losing money on this. You're not losing money on this. I, Pat's probably not losing too much. Anyway, hey, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, I appreciate time, it. Buddy. It's always good information. So for those of you uh, that don't know, you can find all of these episodes at the website, www.fletchersafety.com. And if you do have comments or are there topics you would like discussed or you would like to recommend, if you'd like to be on the podcast, just email me, Doug at FletcherSafety.com and let me know. Um, I would love to hear from you if you have comments or questions or uh, Aaron's contact information is going to be on the website. 
So if you are interested in leadership training for your companies, do you do that kind of stuff? We do. I do. Uh, I've done a lot of consulting to companies, um, anywhere from process improvement, Lean Six mm-hmm. Sigma uh, methodologies to just straight management and leadership mm-hmm. training. Um, and then at my gym, we do we do a lot of offsites for mm-hmm. team building and leadership training oh, as nice. well. Um, but you know, if you want to talk about Doug and I, you and I have been kicking around an idea. Doing some leadership training training, uh, with uh, with the safety aspect of of how safety and leadership are really the same thing and Mm -hmm. they bounce off each other really well. And and hopefully we got that message across in the couple of episodes. I think we should continue to explore that because I think that is one of the pieces that is really lacking in uh, information that's available to the safety community. What exactly does that mean? What does leadership mean? How do we improve leadership or at least coach leadership? Those kind of things. So. Well, and, and just how intertwined safety and leadership are. Like Absolutely. You can't have one without the other. Right. And if one sucks, the other probably sucks. Yeah, no doubt, man. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm going to put your email address on there. Prepare to be bombarded with questions <laughs> and opportunities. Just not my address. Right? <laughs> exactly. No home addresses. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, thanks again. Thanks for listening, guys. If you do have questions or comments or any information you want to pass along, email me. Otherwise, go back and, and listen to uh, Aaron's first podcast. I don't know what number it was, but it's on the website. Go find it, and uh, you can hear uh, his background and where we started with this conversation. So that's it. Have a good one. Talk to you later. A Parkville Media Production.